You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. He's talking about growing in the Lord. And he's talking about there's some things that we as Christians need in our infancy stages as Christians that as we grow and mature, we should be able to lay off and not need so much of anymore. Okay, I should grow so confident in the truths of the Word of God that eventually I will never doubt them again. That I will stand on these principles and I will stand on these truths because they're tried and proven in my life. It's a pretty good bet that you know more as an adult than you did as a child. Today, Pastor Gary shares that the same thing happens as you grow in your relationship with the Lord. What you need as a new believer changes as you mature in your faith. The more you walk with God, the more you'll see His loving faithfulness to you. You'll learn that you can trust His Word and bank on His promises. You won't need extra encouragement to believe what He says because He'll have already proven it over and over. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Case for Charity. I understand that sometimes you cannot trust people and you can still love people without trusting them. But here's where we get it wrong, is when we don't trust them with no evidence that we should not. Okay? So, we use this term in the court of law, innocent till proven guilty. We should have that kind of a mindset towards our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Innocent till proven guilty. Don't be going around spreading your gossip. Amen. Don't be going around telling tales on people and and having your little conspiracy theories about what people are doing. Amen. And making assumptions about people. Amen. That's how rumors get started. That's how lives are ruined in the church and in the community. When we make assumptions about people that we don't know, what does the Bible say charity does? Read it again. It believeth all things. In other words, you have hope in humanity. You, you, can, you can learn to give people the benefit of the doubt, innocent till proven guilty. Now, listen, if they prove themselves guilty and you can no longer trust them, then there's a difference between love and trust, and you've got to understand the difference. But I see too many Christians that are unwilling to give people the benefit of the doubt. They don't trust them from day one. I see couples break apart because there's a spirit of jealousy that comes on one of the one of the, the either the husband or the wife, and they start to make assumptions and think maybe their spouse is cheating on them. They have no evidence for it whatsoever. They just assume that something fishy is going on, and so they begin to lose trust before any guilt has ever been proven. So, innocent till proven guilty, right? So, uh, love. Believeth all things. Is, is anybody getting any help? Hopeth all things. So you're going to have some hope. You're going to learn how to breathe hope into a situation. Amen. You're not always going to be negative and pessimistic and drain a situation. You're going to uh, be full of hope. You're going to be a voice of hope if you're loving people. Endureth all things. You'll, you'll be a soldier. True love learns how to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Charity never faileth. Now, I'm getting to where I want to head. Verses 8 through 13, pay close attention. Charity never 
faileth. Okay, now let's do a little word study. I'm going to look at verse number 8 in my concordance. And I'm going to look at that word faileth. Charity never uh, faileth. The word faileth means to fall out of, to fall down from, to fall off, to perish. In other words, charity always works. Okay? At the end of the day, when everything else fails, charity is still left standing. Love, true, pure, biblical love, works every time. To couples that are struggling, I say that you don't give up until you know you have put 100% effort in offering 100% pure biblical love in the situation. And what you'll find is if both parties in that couple work together towards loving each other like Christ loved them, amen, it will always work out because charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. I want to explain some of this in a minute. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Okay, let's stop right there for a minute. So he starts talking about some of the gifts of the Spirit, such as prophecy, tongues, knowledge. All right? And he's saying, out of all of these, charity never faileth. All this other stuff. Now, what is he talking about? Let me give you an example. A word of prophecy. When a word of prophecy is given... It's given to portray, it's given a word of hope about a future event. That's what a prophecy is, a foretelling of truth that's going to happen down the road. You remember when the man came to Paul and bound his hands and, and said, look, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind your hands and feet and bring you before the council. That was a prophecy. All right? But when that prophecy came to pass, it had served its purpose. Once it come to pass, it was already in the past. It was no longer in the future, so it served its purpose. And so when the Bible says prophecy shall fail, all right, we're doing a word study. I want to help you. That word fail means to render idle, unemployed, inactive, or inoperative. It doesn't mean there will come a time when prophecy will no longer be a part of the body of Christ like so many Baptist preachers will teach you because that is not within the context of this scripture. What it is saying is that prophecy is like a vehicle in your walk with God to get you from point A to point B. Okay, And once it has served its purpose and that prophecy is no longer in your future but it is in your past, it's laid to rest. It has served its purpose. You know, prophecy, it, uh, the Bible says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. What prophecy does is it speaks a word of hope and inspiration into your heart to give you hope to live to see another day. Amen? If I didn't have anything to hope for or to anticipate, I'd have no reason to keep pressing on. But because the Bible says that I am an overcomer and because the Bible says that my latter end shall be greater than my former end I can receive that word of prophecy in my life and it inspires me to keep pressing on come hell or high water because I've got a word of prophecy that says that it will get better down the road amen okay but once that prophecy comes to pass it's now in the past it's not something I'm looking 
forward to. It's something I'm looking back behind me. So that prophecy has, in essence, failed or been parked. Does that make sense to you? Uh, now, I'm headed somewhere with all of this. Charity never faileth. Prophecies will fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Pretty much the same meaning. Tongues was another gift that was given to the church. And, and all of these gifts of the Spirit are given as vehicles to help you get uh, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. All right. When when people spoke in tongues, it was to deliver the word of God across a language barrier. Okay. And when they did that, the word was received. All right. And so once that person received that word that God sent that preacher to send to them, that gift was laid to rest for that moment in time. Okay, but there's one overwhelming theme through all this. One over, one common denominator uh, in the use of all of these gifts that always exist. That's charity and that's love. That means love has to be present regardless of what gift is being used, when it's being used, why it's being used, whether it's laid to rest or whether it's active. Does that make sense to you? All right, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now. We're talking about growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you, when you learn to love like God, amen, then you become mature Christians. You, you develop and mature, and you begin to treat people like Jesus would treat them. You get, begin to look at people through the lens of the Word of God and through God's perspective rather than your perspective or somebody else's perspective. Amen. And you're growing up in the Lord. Okay? And so Paul is talking about, when he's talking about charity, he's talking about growing up in the Lord, learning how to be all that we can be for God by making sure that charity is the core principle uh, through which we channel everything okay now watch this verse number nine for we know in part and we prophesy in part he's talking about there are, uh, you know god don't give you everything you need to know he just he, you're on an as need to know basis with god he's going to tell you what you need to know when you need to know it when you get down the road he's going to tell you what you need to know at that point so you know in parts and you prophesy in part. But then watch what it says. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. In other words, you will get to a point or a level of maturity in your life as a believer that some of these gifts of the Spirit that were given to the church to help you grow are not always going to be necessary anymore because you're understanding uh, who God is. You're understanding the Word of God. Amen. You ought at some point in your walk with God and in your journey with God get to a point to where you don't need a preacher to motivate you to serve God. Okay? Because when you're an infant, and he's fixing to give the illustration of a child. Look at verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He's talking about growing in the Lord. And he's talking about there's some things that we as Christians need in our infancy stages as Christians that as we grow and mature, we should be able to lay off and not need so much of anymore. Okay? I should grow so confident in the truths of the Word of God that eventually I will never doubt them again. That I will stand on these principles and I will stand on these truths because they're tried and proven in my life. 
And where you used to when I was a babe in Christ, I had to have somebody come and speak a word of encouragement to me constantly, all the time, to reaffirm who I was in God and to remind me of who I was in God. But as I study it for myself and the Holy Spirit teaches it to me and I receive sometimes a word of prophecy and sometimes I receive a word of knowledge and somebody, sometimes somebody speaks the word of God to me and it equips me to go another mile, I grow some more. And as I grow and grow and grow, you never get to the point to where you don't need this assistance of others but you do get to a point to where you're not a babe in Christ anymore and you don't have to be spoon fed all the time you see that now what helps you to get to that level of maturity as a born again child of God is understanding the love of God and seeing God and seeing his people and seeing the lost through that lens but as long as you keep looking at people through the incomplete lens of the Old Testament Mosaic law, and you're always condemning, amen? And you're always harder on people and you don't have any mercy on them. You're never going to grow, amen? You're never going to mature. You're still like that child that Paul talked about. You might be in a grown, a grown person's body, but you're still acting immature. Listen, a child of God should not live 20 years and not grow some spiritually. If you're in the same place spiritually that you were 20 years ago, they call, there's, there's something they call that. When, when, when a child uh, has stunted growth, it is because it has a disease or a deformity or a physical problem or a sickness. When you don't grow spiritually, there are problems. Amen? There is something wrong. And I cannot stand to see Christians that sit around for 20 years and don't try to grow, don't try to learn more, don't try to be more for God. Hey, God, forgive us for being satisfied with living in the nursery till Jesus comes. Amen? But if we want to be mature, then we're going to have to be, grow up and be like men. Not be so childish about things. A lot of church today is child play. You listen to church folk get in a fight. It's just like a bunch of toddlers. Just going at each other. And I just want to say, would you please just shut up and act your age? Amen? And I so thank God for a church that as far as I can tell is a peaceful environment. Amen. Because if there's one thing you learn about this preacher, I cannot stand division. I cannot stand strife. I hate it with a passion. Amen. God doesn't like it. I am for peace. The only way we're going to have peace is when we all rally around the truth of God's Word. And if we can all come under and into agreement with God's Word, then we will all be on the same page and there will be no need for discord among the brethren. You see, when you start looking at it through the lens of the Scripture and the truth of the Word of God and God's love, then you can come to that level of maturity where you can sit on the same pew with somebody that don't look exactly like you and you're okay with that because you know that they may have a relationship with God. They may not be in the same place with God that you are, but at least they're on the journey and it's your job to bless them and not to curse them on the way. Amen? So it's talking about maturity. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, let's try to close this out. 
Look at verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. If you look up that word glass in the Greek dictionary, it is defined as a mirror. Okay? So I don't want you to get so caught up in the technicalities of the verbiage of this verse that you miss its overall meaning. So let me help you understand the way I believe the Lord has shown this to me. All right, for now we see through a glass darkly. Back in Paul's day, most people had mirrors that were made out of metal. So when Paul is talking about using a glass for a mirror, at that time, no doubt, this was a, a newer technology for them that had not been perfected. So they might look in that glass and they would see through it darkly and they would not be able to see a very clear image of themselves. Matter of fact, it would be so faint that you could still see through it almost like sunshades. Okay, you follow me? So it's not a very clear image, but watch what it says. But then, then what? Then when you are mature, then when you have become a man and put away childish things, then face to face. All right, what happens when you're looking at a clear mirror that reveals exactly what you're expecting it to reveal? You're not seeing through it. It's shining all the light back on you and giving you the image of yourself. You're face to face with yourself. You see that? In other words, you can see clearly. Paul has given us an illustration of a mirror that is defective versus a mirror that is serving its true purpose. And he's saying that when you go from immaturity to full maturity in Christ, your spiritual vision clears up. And you're able to see things clearly. How do you know that, Brother Gary? Look, read on. Now I know in part... Okay, stop right there. We're doing our word study. We'll look at verse number 12. Now I know in part... The word know means to learn, to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of or perceive, all right? To become known, all right? To, to become known. He's talking about the limited knowledge that he has about himself. Watch this. Now I know in part. In other words, when you're spiritually immature or when you're an infant, you only know things in parts. But watch what it says. But then shall I know, even as also I am known. Now remember, he's still in the context of using a mirror as an illustration. Then shall I know, even as also I am known. Now I know we've all been taught that that means that when we get to heaven, everybody will know it's just like they know it's here on earth. It's not what it's talking about. I hate to bust your bubble, but this is not in the context of heaven. This is in the context of charity. Specifically using an illustration of a mirror to help us understand what he's saying. Now watch what it says. But then shall I know... What is he looking at? He's looking at himself in the mirror of the Word of God. And it's starting to become clear to him. This word mirror in this verse is the same mirror used in the book of James when it says that the, the man beholdeth himself in the mirror of the Word of God and then straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You see that? It's the same word. Watch this. For I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Uh, all right, so in other words, when you can see yourself just as clearly in the mirror as others will see you looking at you. 
Why do we use mirrors? We use mirrors so that we can see stuff about ourselves that others see. We can see ourselves clearly. Okay? So what happens when we begin to view God through the love of Christ? What happens when we start viewing others through the love of Christ? I'll tell you what happens. You also begin to see yourself through the love of Christ. And you begin to see clearly, amen, that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. It becomes clear as day to you because His love is boundless, amen, and matchless and eternal. It's, it's deeper than you can go. It's higher than you can go. It's wider than you can go. God's love is vast and endless. And when you begin to see yourself through the lens of the Word of God, you begin to see things clearly because you're seeing it through the love of God. And he says, you'll begin to know, in other words, let me rephrase it, you'll be able to see yourself or know yourself like others know you. Now, footnote, side note, margin note right here. A little bit off the subject, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's worth mentioning. It will do us all some good if we can sometimes learn when we need to see ourselves from other people's perspective. Okay? But only when it's truth. I'm not telling you to listen to everything everybody has to say about you. Don't hear me wrong. But a mature Christian who is unwilling to see something defective about themselves that others see in them. Are you listening to me? If you're unwilling to see that about yourself, and others have talked to you about a problem that they know you have. They can see it. They're spiritually mature enough and they love you enough as a friend to tell you that you're on the wrong path, that you need to make some adjustments. If you're not willing to see yourself through other people's perspective, especially people who are spiritually mature, people who God's put in your life to help guide you, then you're hurting yourself and you're keeping yourself in kindergarten, spiritually speaking. But any child that grows up a happy child is a child that learns that when mama says you got dirt on your face, you need to go wipe your face off, that child learns obedience and goes and looks in the mirror and discovers that he was exactly what his mama said he was. He was dirty in the face and he needed to clean it off. Amen? And what you need to do as a child of God is you need to have enough maturity to be able to receive from others their perspective on your situation because listen if you only go by your perspective and never seek any kind of counsel outside of your own thinking then you will miss a lot spiritually amen that's another message for another day i just wanted to throw that in there but i want you to see the overwhelming theme of this again is charity because verse 13 it brings it back into focus and now abideth faith hope charity these three but what is the greatest the greatest of these is charity so understand this when you see things as God sees them you see them through the love of Christ and this would send revival across America if every church, child of God got this message tonight it would send revival we would quit being cynical about one another We'd be quit being cynical about people out in the community that are lost. I mean, my God, they're lost. They're going to act like heathen, okay? Quit criticizing them and go try to help them and try to get them to Jesus, amen? 
And, and you got to learn how to love people like God loved them. No matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what they did that offended you, you've got to see through the lens of love. And if you don't see through the lens of love, you are completely wasting your time. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.